on a night where Caitlin Clark goes off for 27 points and 15 assists. She's not the story. It was all about Hannah Stolke as number two Iowa rolls against Penn State. On the other side, the men, we say in season over today, Locked On Hawkeyes. You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, welcome in. I'm Trent Condon, and this is the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. We're available wherever you find podcasts, and you can find us on YouTube. While you're there, make sure you hit the subscribe button. Helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers join today. You'll get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started well quite the night for the women's team as the number two hawkeyes roll against penn state a dominating 111 to 93 win in this one as iowa cruised out to the victory down after the first quarter they come roaring back a great third quarter separated it and put it away we'll get into that game on the other side in the opening portion of the doubleheader it was the iowa men come battling back after a rough first half and certainly a rough about five final 10 minutes of the first half. They take a lead, lead by as many as seven, but eventually that lead dissipates very quickly and they fall at the hands of the Nittany Lions and it feels like very well could be season over in that one. We'll talk a little football today, the return of LeVar Woods or him not getting the job in Tampa Bay, what that means and certainly an uh, expectation for the special teams increasing as it does every single year. For Iowa football, we'll get into that a little bit more. We got wrestling coming up this evening as it'll be number one Iowa, uh, excuse me, number one Penn State against number two Iowa. But uh, yes, it's number one versus number two in the coaches poll. The gap, though, between those two teams, certainly very significant. Let's open with the happy thoughts and happy like Hannah. Yeah, I think we all were in that one. What a performance from Hannah Stolke as she was nothing short of incredible. 47 points, one off a all-time scoring record for the University of Iowa women's basketball team. 47 points, nine rebounds in the game for her. She goes 17 of 20 from the floor, 13 of 21 from the free throw line. That's 62% in the victory for the Hawkeyes. She was rim running, uh, getting to the rim very well, uh, catching some tough passes, some throw-aheads. And what separates Hannah Stolke from some of the post post players that we've seen at the University of Iowa is her speed, her athleticism. At six foot two, she is not the biggest center. Uh, probably in many teams and many lineups in women's basketball, she would be a power forward. That's what she was. And really, that was the expectation coming into the season. I, I think myself, uh, I'm not alone on an island on this one. I thought that it would be Addison O'Grady from what we saw a year ago, another year of development. She'd be starting at the center position. We'd see Hannah Stulke at the four. And then, of course, what we have, Kate Martin, Caitlin Clark, and Gabby Marshall. And that was the anticipation. Um, and instead, it's gone another direction. And instead of that, they have gone small, if you will, playing a power forward at the center position, putting Molly Davis out there. And we'll get to Molly here in a moment as she was limited this evening. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. They're just, it's so difficult to describe the idea by Lisa Bluter. When everybody thought they were going one direction, and that was playing the post. Now, they looked in the portal. 
there are a couple of players that they were after, aware, certainly one of them, a couple of big-time post players that they were trying to get. Didn't happen. All right, all well and good. But instead of going traditional, we're going to say, you got to guard us. You got to play at this level. And as I said at the top, you know, this was a game where Caitlin Clark was not at her best, certainly shooting the basketball. And you see that in the numbers. Uh, she hit some tough shots, a couple of deep three-pointers with hands in her face, and and that's what she's going to do. But overall, in a night where Caitlin Clark goes 8-23 of from the floor, makes all her free throws, but also 4-14 of from downtown, I mean, that means from inside the arc, she was 4-9. That's just not what we're used to from Caitlin Clark. And to have a game like this against a Penn State team that has certainly improved a ton, I think says a lot about this team. I mean, the ability for this team to go out and time in and time out just play at a high level. Yeah, they they blew the lead late against Ohio State. It was a tough loss. Uh, they got beat by really one post player in that game late in the basketball game and still had opportunities to win. Uh, that's something that's getting lost with overtime losses. They, they had chances to win that basketball game in a day that they didn't play very well on the road in a tough environment against Ohio State. They've gone out there and they answered and responded in the loss to Kansas State, avenged that loss down in Florida. That was the only night where really this team po- played poorly. And you you think of the pressure that is on them. This is, of course, the Caitlin Clark show, but this is a program everybody else is also playing through these things and, and going into environments that are incredibly difficult, playing in front of the home crowd. And you know it's going to be sold out. And there's going to be 15,000 people in the building every single time that you take the hardwood. There's pressure that comes along with that. And this team has been able to answer that pressure and the calming influence of Kate Martin and just how good she was and and doing those little things and the dirty work inside. 16 points and 16 rebounds for Kate Martin. And so many of those in traffic, giving up size, being able to do that. The other part is with Molly Davis not playing much tonight is we got to see even more Sydney Fulter. And Fulter eventually fouled out of the game, but she just does what she does. She's 5'11". She's such a good rebounder. She's so smart. Hit that corner three to end the third quarter. She's just an incredible player. And you, you do wonder. We saw a late three from Gabby Marshall in the game. But if that shot continues to struggle, you know, if that's the direction that they decide to go and get a falter out there, I, she's incredible. She really is. And for an undersized player playing the kind of position that she is, uh, nothing but kudos to her. I mean, absolutely great performance. And just like her game, like the way that she plays, the toughness that she brings in, and they need that from time to time. Now, this is a team that has been known for years. It's more of a finesse team, really good offensively. But when you need to stop, you need to be able to grind it out. That hasn't always been the calling card for this Iowa women's team. And they were able to do it. Uh, Fearbach played a bunch, three assists in the game, a couple of rebounds. She was able to help out on that end of the floor. Everybody got in there. I, I thought O'Grady, once she got a couple of minutes, she was pretty good. And that's the other part. At some point this season, you're going to need a performance from Madison O'Grady. You're going to need Sharon Goodman to be able to come in and help out. You're going to need those kind of things because there's going to be teams, matchup-wise, that I was going to have to match what they have inside. Or Anna Stolke's going to get in foul trouble. And when that happens you got to be ready to go. And the great thing is when they've been answered, they've been out there. Now, there might be a game where McCabe needs to knock down a three-pointer. And on and on. This team has delivered everything that is expected. And I heard a really good uh, conversation the other day with Scott Dockerman and Chad Leistikow over with the Iowa Everywhere podcast. And 
they were talking about something that really rings true. If you've been listening here to Lockdown Hawkeyes for a while, you've been hearing me in my 20 years of doing radio, I, I reference a lot growing up and what it was for me to grow up in the 80s where the only thing that we could watch was Iowa basketball, Iowa men's basketball. And during the winter months, that was the only sport on TV. We had three channels. And I knew on Thursday nights back in the 80s, I knew Iowa basketball was going to be on. And to have that and the connection that that built for me. And now you think of the young people that are developing that. And not just the young ladies that are doing it, but also the young men. I had a, a buddy from college, Shane, I saw on Facebook after the game. And picture of him at the game with his son and getting an autograph. And it was on TV, in fact, on top of it from Caitlin Clark after the game. And that moment, how that's going to ring true and, and how this is becoming so much bigger and the importance of what we're seeing. It's amazing. As I've continued to say, and I think it's incredibly important to continue to say, we're seeing something that we're not going to see again in our life. There is not going to be a moment like this. Could this program continue and play at a high level and compete in a year-end, year-end basis or have another run to another Final Four? Absolutely. That very well could happen. But not with the transcendent star. Not with somebody that sells out the building every single time that they go out. We're not going to see that again. We're in February. And as the days tick down and the games dissipate, we're going to have fewer and fewer of these opportunities. Enjoy it. Because it's really, really fun. Not very fun watching the Iowa men fall at Penn State. We're going to get into that one next. Break things down, plus some football and wrestling talk. we got a busy one here on a Friday edition. This is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel. FanDuel is America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday, it's all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. Love a lot of the props that are available right now on FanDuel. I'm taking a look right now on the under total, uh, over under a half interception for Patrick Mahomes, like the underside of that one. 17 career playoff games, just four interceptions, and hasn't thrown one in six straight. But that's not all. They got anything you can imagine under the sun at FanDuel. Not only can you bet on who's going to win the Super Bowl, and Super Bowl 58 between the Chiefs and the 49ers, FanDuel also has bets for which player is going to score a touchdown. Multiple touchdowns? How about three-plus touchdowns? Yeah, you can do that. How many points are going to be scored in the game? Yardage totals for the players and so much more. New customers join today. You'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Trent kind of back with you once again here on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. As always, thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen every day. We go from the good to the bad, and it feels like season over for this Iowa men's basketball team. Falling at the hands of Penn State on the road. Penn State team that have been playing better. Went on the road last week, got a couple of road victories against Indiana and against Northwestern. They come back home, and Iowa had moments. Uh, didn't play well in the final stretch of the first half. It was some ugly basketball. You saw the offense really get bogged down at times, but had a little mini run there at the end of the first half, got back in it. It was nip and tuck. And then that second half, they got rolling. 
Uh, monster dunk from Owen Freeman. You saw Cricky get going inside. Perkins was doing his thing, and though he wasn't scoring at the level that we'd seen in the previous five games when Tony Perkins had scored 20 points or more, he was facilitating at a really high level and had eight assists in the game. Peyton Sanford goes out with a shoulder injury, came back in. Not the performance that we've seen from him lately, three and nine from the field and two of seven from downtown. But really the difference in this one was down the stretch, Penn State made plays. And when they needed a big shot, they were able to find a big shot. It was a whole lot of Ace Baldwin who transferred in with Coach Rhodes from VCU this past season. He's just an outstanding playmaker, a really good facilitator. They got Cleary back out there. Uh, he played off the bench, and he was okay, but it was just a bunch of different guys that were helping out, a very balanced attack, attack out of uh, them. And Iowa that couldn't get stops, and it's as simple as that. It's kind of the same old refrain that we've talked about throughout the course of this season. Uh, good to see Cricky get going a little bit. Patrick McCaffrey built on the game against Ohio State. Uh, those are the good moments in this one. Dembali did it, came in and kind of did his thing as he's continuing to carve out a role in a niche, and you got excitement about him going forward. But, you know, him, Owen Freeman, Josh Dix, again, at moments, it's just it's the same conversation we've had a lot with Josh Dix. Three of five from the floor. Doesn't take a three-pointer. You need more out of him. Every time Tony Perkins was getting the ball, Penn State, their game plan was, we're going to get it out of there. We're going to double-team him hard. And, and that's part of the reason that he had eight assists in the game is because of the defense of Penn State and what they were doing to get the basketball out of his hands. Now, this is a team that still can play a very entertaining brand of basketball, but where is it going to end? Well, what you're hoping for now, realistically, is that they can get to the NIT. And the NIT rules have changed this season, so getting in is a little bit easier than it was in the past. Over the last past, well, I don't know, seven, eight years, they changed the rules where if you win your conference in the regular season, this goes for the mid-majors and the low-majors, you win your conference in the regular season but don't earn an NCAA tournament bid, you're automatically into the NIT. Not the case anymore. Uh, they do have a few automatic bids for those teams, but not everybody is going to give that opportunity. What does that mean? Well, more teams from power conferences are going to get invites to the NIT. As they sit at this point, the remaining schedule over the final eight games of the season. Super Bowl Sunday against Minnesota, back at home. Game that, again, you should win. You already beat them on the road. Gophers are playing better, though, themselves. You go to Maryland, they already got you one time. Then you get Wisconsin at Michigan State at Illinois. How about that for a 1-2 combo? The Tuesday, the 20th, and then Saturday, the 24th, at Sparty, at Champaign, two places that Iowa has played very poorly historically. Penn State, after that, you perhaps can get avenge that loss at Northwestern. Northwestern at home plays about as well as anybody in the country and what they have and what the kind of victories that they have uh, throughout the course of the season. Then you get Illinois uh, back in Carver to wrap things up on the final night of the regular season on Sunday, March 10th. Man, that's a long ways away. Push back a week here, the way the calendar falls, and uh, we still got a lot of basketball in front of us. Eight games to play. Realistically, if I was going to be an NCAA tournament team, I think a minimum, they probably got to be 6-2. and two. Not only be 6-2 and two in that stretch, but there have to be some big-time quality victories. I mean, you're talking about adding quad wins. Now, if you put that kind of record together, well, sure, you're going to get there. I hate to say this team can't do it, but this team can't do it. They're not going 6-2 and two with that schedule down the stretch, even in a down Big Ten. So it's time to change the equation and what we're talking about. And another component to this is if we continue down this path, it's time to see what you have at the point guard position. Josh Dix, you know, got a dude there. Tony Perkins, is he going to come back for a bonus COVID year in his fifth year? I hope so. Donate to the Swarm. Make that happen. 
and hopefully get him back for another season because Tony Perkins and, and the way that he has become such a consistent threat throughout the course of the season, you'd love to see him with another year. You're very excited, obviously, about Owen Freeman, Dabale. How about Price Sanford tonight? Really showing up and, and coming in when Big Brother went down with the shoulder injury and coming up there and doing some things. Knocked down an open three from the top of the key. Had a nice drive and a kiss off the glass. He uh, he was able to do some things. Had a beautiful pass on top of it. So you got to see kind of the full complement of uh, what he can do there. It's about these young guys now and the development. And seeing Brock Harding, is he going to be the answer at point guard going forward? Is it going to be, is there anything left that you can try to figure out and try to salvage at this point with DeSante Bowen? DeSante Bowen, not out there a whole lot tonight. When he was out there, the defense wasn't very good. Offensively, getting caught under the rim. Just kind of many of the same things that we've seen from Bowen in the past. So you want to see if there's anything there. You're excited about the pieces. You got a nice recruiting class, a two-player recruiting class coming in next year. And you have that component here. But it's about thinking about what is next. And another big question that remains out there is what's going to be next for Fran McCaffrey? Fred McCaffrey, if this season ends the way that I think most of us anticipate, and that is short of an NCAA tournament bid, that is not enough for a firing. I understand the frustrations, not getting to the second weekend, but the consistent level that this program has got back to, it's back to the level they were in the 90s under Dr. Tom. Not the early time, not one of the guys over my shoulder there, Roy and BJ and Ed, when they were around in his first three seasons. Not at that level, but the level after that. That's where they are, a team that can get to the tournament more years than not, that can win a game when they get there, but that's it. And that's what Iowa basketball was. And maybe that, short of doing something completely different, maybe that's a realistic ceiling for this program. When we think about Fran, he's got his youngest son, Jack, going, finishing up his junior campaign here this year. One more season to go. Is that the time to make a move? After, obviously, the accident that Jack was involved in, you had that component to it. Patrick and the struggles that he's had both on the floor and then everything that he's had to deal with off of the floor. And Connor's now off uh, working for an NBA team. You just wonder if Fran either would like to try to go back home, you know, go back to Philly and do something there. Is there one of the big five programs that are going to be looking for a coach and, and they go the direction of bringing him home? Is that a possibility? Is there a landing spot? Or maybe he just says, you know, he's in his mid-60s now. I'm ready to move on. And I'll watch Jack play his final season at the high school level, watch him at the collegiate level, be able to follow him around and just do that as a parent, not as a coach, but do it as a parent. That's something I think that is lingering in the back of the mind for a lot of people. We see what the attendance is in Carver. After watching a sold out Carver Hawkeye arena tonight and seeing what it's like for the women's game, and then you have the men's game. And it's just not good. I mean, the fan base has checked out. And maybe there's only a certain level, you know, of, fan base that you have anymore for college basketball. And so many of those casual fans snapped up tickets and are spending their discretionary income to go to a women's game. But we're seeing it, and we're seeing the, how the crowd reacts. I disagree with it, but I get it. And people are speaking with their wallet at this point in time. That's unfortunately where we are with Iowa basketball. A little football and wrestling to wrap up here on a Friday edition of Lockdown Hawkeyes. Plenty to get into. LeVar Woods did not get the job in Tampa Bay. He returns special teams. He's got some work to do coming up this season and figuring out exactly what they're going to look like on 
the third component to football. We've talked a ton about Tim Lester and the new OC. A lot of great stuff on yesterday's podcast as well from former Hawkeye running back LaShawn Daniels breaking things down. Why is the offense, or was the offense, at least with past offensive coordinators, so difficult to pick up? thought he had some really good thoughts on that and what Tim Lester can do as the OC. We continue here on Lockdown Hawkeyes talking football and wrestling. It's coming your way next. Trent kind of back with you one final time. This is the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast. As always, thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. I uh, want to tell you right now also about what we have going on on Lockdown. We have launched the first ever national sports 24 street seven streaming channel on YouTube. And now you can also find it on Amazon Fire TV. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you. 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Find the Lockdown Sports Today channel now on Amazon Fire TV. Football, LeVar back. Good news. Definitely something to be excited about. LeVar Woods coming back. Um, another thing that we talked about yesterday, and you look at LeVar and what he does with the special teams. All right, you think of the coverage units. A lot of linebackers out there, uh, those kind of guys, some defensive backs, you have that component to it. You have, when you're setting up for a field goal, all right, you got offensive linemen out here, they're doing that. You got return guys that you got to deal with. You're talking about just a myriad of different players. And then, of course, the specialists, the kickers and the punter. Well, Tory Taylor departs. We got a new Aussie coming in that's going to be helping out doing the punting duties. But there's no absolute about somebody coming in from Australia and being very good. A couple years back, Iowa State had an Australian punter. And the guy stunk. So there's, it doesn't mean that this is going to be an automatic. And it's something different. I mean, picking up just the intricacies of the punting game and getting a snap back and, and getting it off in time. And it's not just about hang time. It's also about getting the punt off quickly and those kind of things that he's going to have to deal with. And then what happened at the end of the season with field goal kicking? It, it collapsed. And it was quite befuddling because you know, we saw – we saw a team that appeared to not only have their kicker, but probably have their kicker for the next, well, three seasons at that time. And it just fell apart. And because of that, you're definitely left wondering with that, you know, what this is going to look like for the squad, you know, what they're going to be going forward. You go back to the Black Friday game. You had a couple of kicks go out of bounds, and you're wondering what's happening. You had a missed field goal. And then come trotting out there, it's not Drew Stevens, who looked to be destined to be an all-Big Ten kicker. But after the two misses and the kick out of bounds, it's a guy that nobody knew. Uh, Meter comes in, Marshall Meter, from Central Michigan, just as a depth piece for one final go-around. And walking in that situation was incredible. If the field goal was from 42, I don't know if it would have got there, but it was from 38, and on a cold day, he gets a walk-off victory for Iowa in a crazy game. Look, Meter's not around anymore. At least I don't believe he has any eligibility. You have to figure out Drew Stevens. I mean, that's what you have to do. So LeVar Woods has got a lot on his plate. Was he disappointed about being passed over for the assistant head coach job? And I don't even know if passed over actually is right, not the, probably not the right term. But he was not the guy ultimately that was selected for that. LeVar has aspirations to be a head coach. He's talked about that in the past. Did he believe that this was the path for him? Look, coaches leave all the time, and programs can sustain. It's different at Iowa. 
People love working for Kirk Ferentz. Football coaches absolutely love him. He's a football guy. You continue to hear about what it is. And it's not like the old days where you do have to just jump jobs and continue to increase that paycheck a little bit more because making a living was different, certainly even just 20 years ago. Not the case anymore. And we see that. We'll see if this leads maybe to another increase in salary. Everybody's getting a raise after this past season. Uh, that's part of the contract for Kirk Ferentz, and we've seen that. And, of course, what we saw, the income for Tim Lester and the huge raise for Phil Parker, much deserved, and what happened with Seth Wallace. But a lot going on there. The coverage units have been elite. Kicking game, short of towards the end of the season, last season has been excellent. He's done a really good job. And not only that, he's a guy that is easy to root for. He's a guy that you hear nothing but glowing things about him, not just from Iowa football people, but people in college football and the NFL. He's got a bright future, and you can understand him looking around and seeing maybe he's hit a ceiling. Did he want to be at least have more of an opportunity to become a coordinator? Uh, that's another one, not a special teams coordinator, but a coordinator on either side of the football. Things that we don't know, it's all speculation at this point, but really, really big. And we wrap up with wrestling. It's number one versus number two, at least in one of the polls. A boy doesn't feel it. Penn State comes in with a chance potentially of breaking the all-time scoring record of the NCAA tournament hold by the Hawkeyes in 1986. They are stacked. They have number one wrestlers up and down the lineup. There is not really a hole in the lineup. And on paper, you can come up with a couple of wins for Iowa. Three, really, if you're stretching with an upset in there, maybe four. And I know the suspensions have changed the outlook of this team. But to sit here at this point and have that be the possibility, it stings. And what is the answer for Iowa wrestling? We talked about, obviously, bringing in the Ferraris. And it's not just about the talent of them as wrestlers. It's all the baggage that also comes along with it. And now AJ's down training in southern Iowa with an MMA gym down there. Is it selling your soul? to bring in those guys, to try to track down Penn State. Look, I was won national championships recently. It's been there. But is this the direction you have to go? In the new portal environment, how different it is. Now, wrestling's always had an ability where you didn't have to sit out like you do it did in the past in college football and college basketball. That was something that was different. But the way now that well, we see Penn State fill in the holes of their lineup with a couple of transfers. Now, what Iowa can do, and ultimately... The new practice facility, I think, is going to help. But you look at what Penn State does and just how good it's been now for the last 15 years. It is a tall mountain. And I think you have the right guy there and Tom Brands. It's also about finding the right guys to get out there on the mat. Recruiting, getting those elite-level prospects. Difficult to do, but that's ultimately the end game for Iowa wrestling. Thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes again. Your first listen every day. We're with you each and every weekday throughout the course of the week, talking Hawkeyes, talking a little bit of everything. Hey, we got baseball right around the corner. That's right, Hawkeye baseball. And maybe as anticipated of a baseball season that Iowa baseball's ever had. The softball team on the heels of what they did a year ago, making a run in a postseason tournament all the way to the championship. That was great to see, and uh, Coach Gillespie continued to build things up there. We got spring sports coming up on the horizon here. Baseball, softball, we'll be talking about that, and a whole lot more. Spring football also will be starting on March 21st. Well, we have an NCAA tournament team to talk about in the men. Probably not. The women, 
Let's hope for a long run there. Your team every day. That's what we do here on the Lockdown Network. And thanks for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen every day. We'll be back with you over the weekend with a reaction to everything we see. Caitlin Clark, can she get the scoring record in Lincoln? Did the men bounce back in Carver against Minnesota? We got that and a whole lot more. We'll talk to you Monday. Go Hawks.